0: Hello everybody, today is Sunday, October 16th, 2022 And we're going to be getting into the next episodes of the Mino Diaries If you haven't, then you might want to go check out the previous um, episodes Passage and The Bone Road Which are actually part of the larger episode as a whole um, Which is Bird. This is our spooky season uploads And I hope you've been enjoying them. Um, I love feedback if you have listened. And yeah, let's get into this. Thank y'all for being here and hope y'all enjoy. The Mino Diaries Episode 11 Red Bird Part 4 The Temple of Omoya Omina and Elaine rode past the outskirts of Nasdurel which sat along winding waterways of black water. They went past those city limits and farther into the swamp of rising moss-hanging oaks, cypresses, and palmettos. The energy of the underworld forest shifted in its weight and it was by the release of its hold that Elan processed how heavy an energy existed across the dead space of Nasturiel. They rode on through the swamp forest until they reached an opening in the trees where a wooden archway had been erected. Omina parked the bike and went to the shadowed entrance, bowing their head and uttering a quiet prayer. Follow me, Omina said as they walked the bike through the archway. Elaine followed and as she crossed the entrance, the atmosphere around her shifted and changed. Suddenly, where behind was night, this place was bathed in the light of a new morning. Bathing a lush garden of trees and altars all around, gravestones and statues, flower beds, bees buzzing all around. Birds were singing. Elaine gasped as the portal began behind them closed and Omina said for her to keep up. They walked past willow trees, shifting in the wind, through a burial ground. Though this was not a burial ground weighted by a sickly haunting, it was a space of peace, protection, prayer, and meditation. So different from that rancid Nasdaq They walked further until Elaine could make out the height of a structure through the gaps of the tree's canopy. They kept on until the temple ahead came into full view. At the front of the temple was a large and wide oak, with twisting branches that were touching the ground. Hanging from the trunk were large singing chimes and strings of blue, brown, green, and clear bottles reflecting the skylight. Omina said the tree had the power to ward off demonic spirits and trap those foolish enough to cross the boundary inside the glass bottles. The temple itself was of black and silver. Each story was a circular disk around a cylindric rise. The temple stood tall, and its entrance reached by a flight of wide and tall stairs, was guarded by black statues of curved-horned wild buffaloes. Omina turned to Elaine and presented the temple. Welcome to the Temple of Omoya. Omina led Elaine through the entrance of the temple to a series of halls with incense burning and holders along the walls. They ascended the stories of the temple until they reached its highest circular floor, but there was a wide open room with a wall made entirely of glass pane windows. Inside was a shrine space with altars and statues and all kinds of relics ornamenting the area. They walked to where there was a woman sitting before a white cloth draped altar with lit candles and incense laid with pictures of ancestors and other offerings. She'd had her head bowed to the floor against her hands before she sat up at the sound of the chamber doors sliding open and Omina and Elaine walking in. Omina, and El- Omina led Elaine to where this woman, dressed all in silvery gray, gold, black, and white, with a deep, swirling green scarf around her waist, was sitting. She shifted to face them, and Omina directed Elaine to sit opposite of the woman before they walked to the altar and drew the marbles from their pocket, placing them in a row on the cloth before turning to leave the room with a respectful nod to the woman sitting. Elaine thanked them and sat in front of the woman with brown skin and almond eyes, with her nose beaded with little specks of sweat. When she spoke, Elaine could make out the cute gap in her teeth. Her hair was worn in a black feathered mullet and her fit was adorned by the Mino mantles. She introduced herself as Tupelo, keeper of the temple of Omoya and daughter of Oya, for whom their house was named. She welcomed Elaine to the temple and was about to explain who the Mino were when Elaine said, I know of the order, by way of my friend Hekama. Tupelo's brow raised and she nodded. Yes, the wise scholar. Her order is all about their books and studying. You'll find the house of Omoya quite different, Tupelo said before going on to explain. This is the mino house of those who serve as intermediaries between the worlds of the living, the dead, and spirits. We are the guardians of portals and the protectors of elders, children, and the dying, as those closest to entry and exit from, to, and between the worlds. We are the watchers of the burial grounds, the defenders of shrines, and those who deliver the wrath of the temple spirits. We are the lights which move through the dark, striking fear into the frightening. We reside here in this underworld temple, serving as sanctuary for those spirits who choose different paths, who seek ascendance through peace of mind and fortification by faith. We act on behalf of Jamo's high commands to reign in the chaos of the demon horde in this dimension. We are House Omoya and we fear nothing but our own submission to frailty and weakness. Jahmos' high has led you to my mother's temple Tupelo said before she stood and went to the altar to light some more incense. She looked over the marbles, hovering her hand over them before turning back to Elaine. What is it you seek? Tupelo asked. And Elaine said, I'm not sure. I was directed down a path and it led me to Omina, then here. Were you directed or did you direct yourself? Tupelo asked and Elaine wondered how to answer her, but the smiling Mino waved away the trouble. Never mind. I'm sure you could use some rest, huh? Tupelo came and placed her hands on Elaine's arms before her smile turned and she sniffed. Oh no, we smell of Nazdurell's shadows. Come with me. Tupelo led Elaine through the temple to a closet where fresh clothes were stored. She grabbed the changes for Elaine before leading her to descend the temple to its ground floor and further still through a doorway which opened to a dark staircase. Elaine hesitated at first, but Tupelo insisted there was nothing to be afraid of. She led her down the stairwell until Elaine could see the faint glow of some light ahead. They walked to the end of the tunnel before stepping through and into the wide open space of a cavern in the earth. There were tree roots, massive and coiling, stretching from the cavern sailing into the water of a wide pool, filled with crystal clear water, blowing a subtle blue hue through the whole cavern. Elaine breathed in her awe as she stepped forward to look into the spring, which did not appear to have a bottom. This spring has existed beneath our bottle tree long before the Temple of Omoya was built. The water is full of spiritual energy and healing. Please, Tupelo gestured to the water. Take as much time as you need. Tupelo sat down the fresh clothes and was about to leave Elaine in the cavern to bathe privately. But Elaine called out. Wait. Tupelo turned around and Elaine continued. What does all this mean? Now that I'm here, what's next? She asked, and Tupelo shrugged. That will all depend on you. There are no expectations for you here. Elaine took a second to process those words, and Tupelo added, You've had a long journey. My advice is to take your time and not give yourself too much to think about. No one's rushing you to decide on understand anything right now. Take it a task at a time, and you first. Tupelo gestured again to the water is to wash yourself in the sacred spring. That is all. Elaine breathed in again and thanked Tupelo, who left the cavern. Elaine stood at the edge of the spring pool, kicking off her shoes to fill the water with her toe. It was perfectly warm. She took a deep breath, so self-conscious she couldn't help but look around to be sure no one was watching her before she unshouldered her blouse and removed her head scarf. She was sure to check her pocket for her rosary beads, which she placed neatly where she could see them. She stood before the water, totally bare, before she waded into it. The water tingled against her skin as her body was submerged, causing a heavenly sensation over her. The water's magic was felt instantly, its purifications cleansing the soot of the dead city from her without any soap or lather. She swam through the water, and it was as if the liquid was coursing past her skin, through her chest, and out her back, flooding through her soul, washing clean all the lingering memories of trauma in her mortal life, alchemizing her emotions by the second, all which had weighed so heavily on her spirit. She suddenly found it hard to be sad about, angry about, the bitterness of hurts, committed against her form, the bitterness of hurts endured by her own enabling. It was all washed clean she remembered everything but she did not feel wrathful or vengeful there was only this soreness a sensation of pain which was neither good nor bad it just was it lingered like a small stone lodged in her heart that bittersweet reminder that though she was indeed dead to never walk the world of the living as she had her life had in fact been real her family her experiences She knew it all true by the sensation of that pain, which she carried with respect for her ability to have endured it without letting it break her soul into pieces. For those who subjected herself and her ancestors to suffering, she did not feel the burden of disdain. There was just a quiet satisfaction that such suffering would never be endured by her again. She was strangely free in this death. She swam from one end of the pool to the other and back again, rising from the water and drying herself off. She put on the new clothes and looked at the ones from her own world, now disappearing before her eyes, fading from solid matter to dust. She felt then, at the sight of that disintegration, a well of emotion rise suddenly from deep in her core, up to her throat and out, she cried for everything and nothing at all. tears flowing as if from a wellspring, she released the pain of all which had brought her, the pain of that knife driven into her by her own father's hand, the pain of her inability to change his mind and his heart, her inability to exist wholly in that world, yet feel so peaceful and belonging in this one. She cried for an unmeasured time, letting her tears trickle into the stillness of the sacred spring. Before she took a deep breath, and stood to exit the cavern. She did not look back on her way up the stairwell and back into the halls of the temple of Omoya.